Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Victoria, and I am your host for this evening, and my co-host is Annie. We are on scan number 3330, and I'm excited to introduce to you our special guest this evening. However, first, I'd like to let you know that we have a single this year at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, we are on scan number 3330. And if you'd like to be a part of the panel this evening, please call in at 646-595-2118. And my co-host, Annie, will meet you on the back line and ask if you'd like to ask a question or have anything to say. We'd love to have you join us and support our guest. And tonight our guest, hold on a minute, um, it's Scott Ball, who is from Texas. And I'm reading out the thing, so <laughs> I should know this guy. He's my brother. Okay. And uh, he was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. His mother had three children by the time she was 20. His father abused his mother as well as the children. He was the oldest, and at three and a half years old, After his family moved out of state, his mother sent him, two-and-a-half-year-old brother, and his sister back to Minnesota. His brother and sister went to live with their grandfather and step-grandmother, and he went to live with his aunt and uncle. His brother and sister were told that this was their cousin. When his aunt and uncle divorced because of domestic violence that he witnessed, he was sent to live with his sister and brother at his grandparents' house. Shortly after he moved in, his mom got remarried and came to him and his brothers, and they went out to work at a carnival. Alcoholism, I'm sorry, alcoholism, drug addiction, 
Physical, sexual, emotional, spiritual abuse and mental health issues are rampant. And the dysfunctional family systems were not only just acceptable, but passed on as normal. Scott survived these abuses as a boy was sexually abused by his stepfather. As he began to get sober and as he started looking at his child abuse, um, which uh, men rarely speak of, he began to work a 12-step program and remain sober drug-free. As he tells his story in meetings, he speaks of his abuse family dynamics, which he survived, um, which help other men identify and work through the difficult process of their healing journey of childhood abuse. He will talk about how being a boy um, who was abused um, have difficulties to defining, accepting, and sharing their feelings. And as he learned, he was not alone, and he could identify with other men, and together they would help each other. Um, let's see. And then, uh, well, hello there, Scott. How you doing? Hello. I'm doing all right. You got a yeah. synopsis. <laughs> yeah, I tried to tried to recap everything, and the people are lost and uh, and think that, that that was a lot. Um, we'll let you go ahead and tell your story, and then they can know what a lot is. <laughs> yeah. Well, the so do you want to start out at wherever you think the beginning is? <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of beginnings, and it's a lot of new beginnings, which is the good news. But, uh, yeah, if I, it's like we could, uh, me and you could sit and talk about our stories, and we could probably be here for a couple of weeks about the, yes. the trauma and the recovery from uh, everything we experienced. It's like uh, me and you were, I think I was nine years sober, and you were 12 years sober when we sat down and we thought our brother was sitting with us who has passed away, and uh, we started comparing notes about all the lies that had been told to us and all the truths that we had found along the way. Yep. So it's been a journey, that's for sure. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I guess I'll start out, you know, I have memories, you know, of I think that's what that song was about we listened to, something about memories. And yeah. I would like to share, hopefully, you know, where people could identify, especially men. It's when I got sober, um, you know, I was, I was, I, I went through a real messed up relationship with this girl, and she was a lot of fun. And every time she would go see her sexual perpetrator, which was her father, she'd come back and drink. And I was trying to save her, and I felt so bad for her. Little did I know I was trying to save me. Uh, and, you know, from that relationship, I was at the brink, Stark Raven, I like to call it Stark Raven Sober. I was about three and a half years sober. And um, at that time, God sent me somebody to help me work through the next level of my recovery, which was walk through my sexual abuse history and my family origin history and the whole ball of wax. So when if I just talk about the recovery, we could do quite a few shows about the layers of recovery about that. So, mm-hmm. like I start, it's, uh, you know, I went through four sets of parents. And, uh, you know, I had one parent that was probably a real parent. That was Jeannie, my, uh, right. she was my step-aunt. And, uh, but, but like you say, she had an abusive husband that would beat the bloody hell out of her, a raging alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, my real mom called and said, you know, we're going to come get you, I thought, well, I finally got my family and, uh, and you know, me and your brother, you know, my brother and your brother went to go on the carnival. Well, we were packing up, 
and I had already had enough trauma and no sexual abuse, but enough trauma by that time. We we joked about it earlier because your abuse was suffered by our real father. My abuse mm-hmm. was suffered by my stepfather. So my, our mother was not too good at picking healthy men for relationships, to say the least. And uh, so. And she was abusive uh, as well. Huh? She was our, our she was our abuser as well. Uh, exactly. Her mother. So mm-hmm. it's just trying to survive. I'm not gonna, you know, I. Part of the recovery was first getting angry <laughs> because most people that have suffered abuse are blaming themselves and mm-hmm. and, and forgiving their abuser or, or ignoring the anger they should have. So I found out the first step in recovery from my abuse was to get angry, and that's almost the opposite of what I had to do to get sober. So I had right. to get angry about what I should have been angry about in the first place, but on my journey, you know, when you wake up, you know, when I worked through my, when I worked through my stuff, I almost relived it verbatim. I, all the memories that were shoved down and trying to be forgotten were brought to the surface. And, you know, when you get sexually abused at 10 years old and you get woken up by somebody messing with you and, uh, and having sex with you and you wake up into that, and then it's done, and you go back to sleep, and you wake up. You don't even know what's real and what's not anymore. And mm-hmm. so that went on for years. Uh, till my stepdad shot my mom's lover, and after that, I raised myself. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was released from that. But, you know, when you have a sexual abuser, they always have some kind of power over you. And, uh, you know, because, and they tell you it's about love, but it, it's about power and control. So I had, it took me a long time to relearn what love was, you know, and what sex was supposed to be for. And it's, it's been a journey, you know, and I went, you know, and I say this, a lot of my recovery has been in AA and working through the 12 steps and everything that I've went through and learned about, I've had to run it through the 12 steps Alcoholics Anonymous because I got an alcoholic mind and I complicate the heck out of everything. So it helps yep. simplify things for me to its simplest mm-hmm. form and to find solutions. So mm-hmm. I've been very blessed like that. And, and this is it. And I was thinking, I'm going to share things. I'm going to share the truth about me and my journey. And, and, you know, and take what you can leave. And I'm not here to, discredit anybody's journey that they've had to take like i know your journey my sister's i mean my sister's my hero she's done so many things uh championed you know uh abused women is doing things like this show and just doing whatever she can to help the next person and i'm so proud of her of what she's done Mm -hmm. with her life and turned uh, things that totally crush people we are survivors yeah. And uh and turn it into a blessing for anybody that wants what she has to offer. And that's the way I am. I shared it my aim before I come out here to this radio show, you know. All mm-hmm. I can hope is that somebody might be able to relate and put to use something. But, you know, for some reason, you know, and people wanted to put me on antidepressants and this and that and that in my recovery and I'm glad I did because what it did is it forced me to reach out for some other solution because I knew mm-hmm. for myself drugs and alcohol worked for me. I could function because it covered up everything. 
And now it was time to uncover, discover, and discard, no matter how painful the walk. And it was very painful, Stark Raven Sober, to walk through and discover what was broken in me. Many things. I mean, because when you get sexually abused, you're broken. Your soul gets shattered. People don't realize. People that do drugs and alcohol and has other kinds of abuse, yes, it's it's traumatic, you know, PTSD for uh, people that was in the war. But when you're sexually abused as a child, your soul gets shattered. You get you get shattered from the very core of your being. And it takes a while to put all them pieces back together. You know, today, the, I'm still in pieces, but the, God is the glue that holds them back together. And if you've been sexually abused, you sure the heck don't want to hear about God either. You know what I mean? God puts you in this situation that you got abused. But today I look, see, um, well, Jeannie, like I said, was the only, I made amends to her. I did a nine step made amends to her. And she told me that she let me go. And it was the biggest regret in her life. And I told her, Jeannie, you know, the story about Joseph. If Joseph hadn't got sold for a slave, the whole world would have starved to death. And I said, and if I hadn't had to go through the things I had to go through, I could not help the people I can help today. Mm-hmm. I can understand mm-hmm. just about any state of mind. I know I'm an empath, so I I can get right in there. I mean, I can look in someone and say, you've been sexually abused, and they'll start crying. They'll go like, how do you yeah. know? I go, I know. Because I've mm-hmm. had to look so deep within myself for the truth, to find the truth mm-hmm. about myself and what to do about it, right? And not to lay, mm-hmm. because, you know, I was hurting a lot of people with the survival tools I learned from sexual abuse. You know, I was running around at 13 years, from the time I was 13 till I was 20, I was on a carnival and I was a pretty good looking guy. And I was, and to me, I was trying to prove to myself I was a man. And if anybody called me a pussy, I'd try to kill him. Right. Yeah. So I'm out there, you know, and to me, being a man was making the most money, screwing the most women, and kicking the most ass. And that's what mm-hmm. I did. And every time I would mm-hmm. go to a bed with a woman, it would be like I had greasy hands and they were like a grease rag. And I wipe like, the grease off mm-hmm. and I like, oh, I got clean hands. And I look down again, mm-hmm. they're greasy again. So mm-hmm. anything I tried to do to make myself feel like a man was just the outside. It never worked mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, because of my own self-esteem and the way I felt about myself. So, mm-hmm. And I carried that all those years. I carried that till, like I say, about 35 years old. I got sober at 30 years old and four or five years it took me in sobriety, working through the steps a number of times to finally get, to start looking for new tools because the tools I learned was codependency, right? I, I didn't think, mm-hmm. I didn't know I had a right to what went on with my mind, my body, my soul. I didn't know that. I had to learn yeah. that. But I have a right to, you know, and I see other women, I see guys go up to hug women. I can see the woman's inside saying, no, I don't want to be hugged. But they don't know they have the right to say, no, I don't want to be hugged. You yeah. know, let your yeses be yes and let your noes be no. And I had to learn how to, you know, I was I was at war with myself because if my insides would say no, I'd say yes. I'd just let you, you know. And mm-hmm. on the other hand, I, was a, I would rage. I had this rage in me. I'd go into red outs. I had way more red outs than I had blackouts drinking. You want to explain anger. what that is? Black... Pardon? Yeah. You might explain sorry, what, what a red out is? You want to, a red you want to explain what a When you get so enraged that you go in a blackout, you don't even know 
like, okay, this is a story. I was on the car and I was 15 years old playing foosball. I had my last quarter, so I was playing really hard because I didn't want to lose because, the, you know, whoever is challenging the table has got to pay. So I was entertaining myself all night on a quarter, you know. And this guy mm-hmm. comes up and says, I'm going to play for money. And I says, I, I don't have any money. He says, if you don't play for money, you're a pussy. I said, I don't have no money. Mm-hmm. He said it again. I did. This guy was twice the size of me. I was like 15 years old at the time, maybe 145 pounds. This guy was 200 pounds. I pulled him across the foosball table because he called me a pussy. Now, why did pussy mm-hmm. bother me? Well, because I was sexually abused like a man. I, I had all these weird feelings about what I was, what I wasn't. I didn't know. If someone yeah. called me a pussy, they're going to, you know what I mean? They, they mm-hmm. hit my innermost fears. And so yeah. I pulled him across the foosball table. This was in uh, Gulfgate Mall in Houston, Texas. The carnival was set up at the mall. I pulled him across the foosball table, and it was in a bowling alley. And I don't remember what happened, but it was 75 to 100 foot away. I had pulled the bowling ball off the bowling rack. I had the guy by the neck. And luckily, a manager that weighed 400 pounds put me in a full Nelson. I was about to crack his head like a melon with the bowling ball, you know. Oh. And I didn't even know how I got there. I woke up. Mm-hmm. I started out pulling him across the foosball table. I ended up almost 100 feet away. And uh, that, they used to have that show, The Faces of Death. The guy had the thousand faces of death. He knew he was about to die. And the poor guy, after that, he would walk clear on the other side of the carnival so he he stayed away from me. He was scared to death of me because sure. I had that kind of rage in me. And so sometimes I took that, you know, sometimes that come in handy because I was raging myself from the time I was 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it come in handy yep. sometimes. So I learned these survival tools growing up, you know, disassociative mm-hmm. disorder. Uh, my sister has a more, uh, she went to the next level, multiple personality disorders. It's more of the same thing. She had way worse abuse than I did. My abuse got me to the point I could disassociate emotionally, mentally. I could just stand back and let whatever happens happen. But I was still there, but I wasn't there. Multiple personality mm-hmm. disorder, you completely leave, and you're a total different personality. And yeah. I never had that to the point that I didn't know who the other person, what the other personality was doing. I might have another personality, but it would never be that I didn't know what the other personality was doing. So these are survival tools that we pick up just trying to survive emotionally from what we had been through by surviving sexual Mm -hmm. abuse. And I don't care what kind of, you know, even though my sister's was way worse than mine, I still had mine. It still had an effect on me, and I still needed to overcome it because what happened was. That's really important because a lot of people compare and um, minimize their own abuse and, and don't deal with it because they minimize it. Well, and you give me one of the best things is that it doesn't matter how high you're flying, but from what depth you've crawled from. So we're always comparing mm-hmm. ourselves to somebody else, and we shouldn't do that. Because I, today I believe what David said. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I'm happy with the, God, the way God made me today. I can't say that. I've had to been tore down and rebuilt three times in sobriety, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. But I I agree with the process, and I'm glad of the process today uh, because I'm at peace today. And I, I had a guy 17 years sober, and um, he's over here, and he's never worked on his sexual abuse issues. 
and he come all the way from Chicago and he come into our group where I'm at and, and he heard me talking. He knew I need, I was going to be the one to help him through stuff he'd never worked through. So here's a guy 17 years sober that worked through this stuff and come out the other side. And mm-hmm. now his, his marriage, his marriage is excelled. He has excelled. I've watched this man change. So I was able to be there when I was at a year and a half, two years sober. And I was like, I had to ask myself this question. Why do I get my life going good? I'm sober now. And uh, there's this red blinking red light that says self-destruct. And I go, oh, isn't that pretty? I got to push it, you know. And I believe God gives me the questions and he gives me the answers. Well, the God I know, they started me out and said, the only thing I had to know about God is I wasn't it. So that's the God I was talking to. Now that has grown since then. Say that slower. <laughs> huh? I said, say Do that what? slower. <laughs> say that oh, slower. About the only mm-hmm. thing I have to know about God is I wasn't it. So that's what I was praying to, a God that I don't even know what it was. But you yeah. seek and you shall find. And you'll. I have a relationship with a God of my understanding today that is wonderful. And that is what has carried me. I believe God gave me the questions like, why do I keep hitting that red button that says self-destruct? And I started writing stuff, and I wrote it, and I go on into the meetings, and I'm not hearing anybody talk about the stuff I wrote. Mm-hmm. And it took another year and a half in that relationship I told you about that I almost committed suicide over. I almost drank over. Uh, wow. But God put I, I believe that God put that in my life to – Help me look at the little guy, Scott, that got lost and broken way back then. The lost little child that was inside of me. And I was still wearing masks at three years sober. You know, I still had masks on because, and what happened was, is uh, God brought this guy from Dallas and I heard him share in a meeting and I pulled him out. And by this time I had got into a sexual addiction. I was having sex mm-hmm. where I didn't even want to have it. I mean, I was in a sexual addiction. So when we got started, and this guy had been sexually abused by a woman, and he was seven years sober and ended up going to bed with his sponsee's uh, girlfriends, and he was married and had a baby in sobriety. And he ended up uh-huh. in a rubber room, didn't understand how he got there. So this is the guy uh-huh. that helped me work my stuff before I had to go to a rubber room. God yeah. sent me this guy, and, you know, I got, I was reading SLA books, I was reading the codependency books, but you know the funniest thing, Seth? Mom, yeah. at the time, my sponsor that was working me through this stuff said, I don't need to have anything to do with my family origin until I work through this stuff, right? Right. So, told her, I can't have anything to do with you while I'm working through this stuff. If you care about me, let me be and let me work through this stuff. Because it was hard. Right. I mean, it was t- I thought I was going to have to be put in a rubber room when I started facing myself in this. And she gave me this book, and this is called Abused Boys, The no- Neglected Victims of Sexual Abuse by Mick Hunter. And I'm going to tell you, and I usually don't prophecy for any books or anything, but being a man back in, you know, the early 90s, this was, this was a taboo subject that didn't get talked about. Women had stuff to yeah. work through it. But men didn't. So I read right. this book, and the reason why, and, and they went back to the twelve steps, and they went through, like the first part of recovery is anger, getting angry about it. Also, when I read the way 
abused boys react to life after they've been sexually abused. I didn't feel so weird. I felt I was just weird and broken. And there, No, I was reacting to life perfectly normal for someone that had went through what I had been through. That's kind of good yeah. to know. You know what I mean? It lets you know that yeah. you ain't just a total loser and a waste and, and, you know, there's no hope. It's like, no, I'm yeah. a survivor, and I'm a survivor that this is a perfectly natural. I'm perfectly normal for someone who went through what I went through. So that was good to know. So yep. that book helped me a lot. And like I said, it pointed to the 12 steps, and it also, you know, if it, if there's any man that, well, and the guy that I said 17 years, I got him that book and made sure he read that, and it helped tremendously for him too. So I'm is always that still there. In yeah, yeah. Do you know if fact, I don't print? Okay. Oh yeah. In fact I've seen it on a used book. This one used book had it for a dollar ninety nine. It's easily yeah. about a thirty dollar book. I got another used book place, it's like twelve something. No, it's a really good book, so if there's any abused men out there I mean you would have better I know you have looked at a lot of stuff for women, so you would be better mm-hmm. to guide women to literature that will help them. And that's that's I had that. I had the S L A book <laughs> right, because mm-hmm. I had sex and love addiction because of what I'd went through. I had codependency like crazy. So I'm working on all this shit at the same time. You know what I mean? I had to do a no-hugging right. thing for a month. Sober, yeah. Yeah. Huh? And what? staying sober at the same time. Yeah, yeah. There's no fair drinking and drugging mm-hmm. because all bets are off then. You know what I mean? If I, if I drink yep. or drug, all bets are off because... Uh, any truth that I found, I've covered it all up, and now i got to start out all over again. And I, I was living a miracle. I was a living miracle at nine months sober, at, at six days sober. Mm-hmm. I went six days without drugs or alcohol, and I could not believe it. That hadn't happened since I've been 15 years old. And so mm-hmm. 15 years, I was either drunk or high every day. And I was running multi-million-dollar jobs on 40-man crews at the end of my drinking, you know. I was a good yeah. functioning alcoholic, abused boy, broken little abused boy, and fighting everything on the way. I fought everything, and I felt nothing or nobody could whoop my ass. And, you know, it's a stunning thing to realize drugs and alcohol had me, and I couldn't do nothing about it. And then I get three years sober, and I realize this sexual addiction's got me, and there's nothing I can do about it. And the sexual addiction mm-hmm. was, you know, and that brought me back to my family origin stuff. Uh, my sponsor read my stuff, the first stuff I wrote, and he goes, man, you were treated like a piece of hamburger. I went through four sets of parents and sexually abused. You know, and like you said, my mom, I had to forgive her. It's like, how did she know this wasn't going on? Well, all of her security and well-being rested on her being married to my stepdad, and if she acknowledged the truth that something's mm-hmm. going on with her boys, because it wasn't only me, it was my brother being sexually abused too. Something's going mm-hmm. on with her boys. For her to acknowledge that would have been the end of her life if she knew it. So that's yeah. funny that how people can just stick their head in the sand and ignore their own children. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard for me sometimes. Sis. I go into a grocery store, I see a kid that's been sexually abused. Yeah. And, you know, I want to grab a hold of everybody and find out what the hell's going on, and I can't do that. I do mm-hmm. have to trust in God that they're going to have their process and stuff. Now, if I witness it, and there's something I can do about it, I will. But just going in the grocery store, because I'm an empath and I see a lot of stuff, I can't do mm-hmm. nothing about it a lot of times. So I rely on God to show me where and when I can help. Hey, there's my sponsor. Yeah. Are you listening to the show? 
Yeah, we can go to uh, the panel here. Um, let's open. Uh, let's open uh, Philip's mic first.
you know, but it was a, yeah. it was a lot of um, physical abuse too. too I, I had to, you know, go had beatings by him as well, and you know, my not mm-hmm. my mom not protecting me. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, but I see it all now, and it's in the and the more sexual abuse happened throughout my childhood from a cousin and my and from my own brother. Uh, like I said, I was never mm-hmm. raped, but these things happen. Mm-hmm. And I know they they had a you know they they had to do with a lot you know with my. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my uh, drug abuse um, when I broke my neck and back on the airplane I was flight attendant. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm talking too much. No, no, well, no. You You're a uh, friend of Scott. Right? Are you, did did you have any friend of Scott? I'm sorry? I was asking if you're a friend of Scott. Oh, yes, I am. I've known Scott for probably almost 30 years. And his, um, his okay, ex-wife well, he can get was you. my sponsor for a while. Oh, cool. Yeah, he can give you a number and I want to tell people that NASCA, the website, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org, mm-hmm. has all kinds of programs on it. Plus, we have a closed group for survivors of abuse, NASCA, with the uh, spelling I just gave. And uh, we have it on Facebook, a closed group for survivors. And a lot of people just go on there and read up and identify. And then um, we also have an open group for people that, like in the beginning, I read, you know, that anybody that's interested in, in uh, helping children or helping adult survivors of child abuse. So we have yeah, a lot of so many good resources. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. having that many resources for me to yeah. check out. Yeah. Yes, appreciate mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You bet. Scott, do you have any comments for Becky? No, no, just I'll get with her. She didn't really have a question. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of stuff there. And, you know, because probably need somebody to, to work some program with, but uh, I, I fear again, I'll give her the resource your site yeah. there too, and I bet you could you back down the road, mate. Yeah. yeah. Victoria. Yeah. Victoria. Okay, let's go on. Uh, yeah, thank you. You're breaking up there, Scott. I'm, yeah, he is oh, breaking up. You. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm can you yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll put Becky on listen and let's go to the next caller. And uh, we didn't get a name on this one, but um, hi there. Um, you're going to be the four zero number. Welcome to the show. Do you have any comments or questions, or would you like to tell who you are? Maybe you're listening. Yeah. So if anybody does. Is anybody there? Okay, we'll be one thing. Are you, are you talking to me? Oh, that's Patrick yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I forgot. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. This is Patrick. Uh, my new sponsor. I just moved back and uh, been able to share the experience. And uh, my wife, we're really legitimate with our own uh, childhood trauma that carries over to know how to get through. Uh, it affects us, and we're going to have those relationships. Um, and I thought, you know, I've done my step work. I'm, I'm in the program of AA with Scott. And um, oh, that's I've done the step work, and I'm, 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 I felt like I, I, I uncovered a lot. And in a relationship, it's like, 
okay, why is this so difficult? And now we're getting back to the plan. We're able to do it in a way that uh, I learned more about myself. Uh, it's, it's growth for me. It's amazing. I appreciate you, Scott, and I'm glad you reached out when, we got out, when I got out here. Uh, grateful to have you in my life, man. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to ask Annie to come on. Annie, are you still there? Then my I'm co-host, here. Annie. Hello, you got everyone. Any questions? Yeah. Um, How's it going? Yes, Scott, you mentioned a book, and I wondered if you could repeat the name of that book. Yes, ma'am. Uh, let me look here again. Uh, it's called Abused Boys, The Neglected Victims of Sexual Abuse by Mick Hunter, M-I-C Hunter. Mick Hunter. Yes, Mick. I do. I got it. Yeah, Hunter. Abused Boys and Neglected Victims of Sexual Abuse. Yeah. Oh. I will add that to my library. Uh, yeah, yes. it's, uh, it was a blessing, and it's funny because of what Victoria said about our mother. It's funny that she come up with that book that was a very instrumental because she had started getting sober, too, in the program. But she had come up with that book and handed it to me, and she didn't know. She just trying to find anything, that, and it was like the perfect book that I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. So for yeah, me, I... I wanted to tell people too that I mentioned in the beginning that uh, me and thought that we were well. I don't know if you did. I think Jeannie might have told you, or Aunt might have told Scott. But I thought that we were cousins, and uh, yeah, Scott's did. the one that said, "No, we're not cousins. <laughs> we're we're uh, um, brothers and yeah. sisters, and nope. um, we we do talk about our brother, um, our other brother, but um, he got killed um, when he was nineteen. And uh, so um, we had that loss. But um, our whole family was so dysfunctional. And my brother went into the carnival and went in with my mom. Um, I only got to see him like once a year when the carnival was in town. So I didn't have really a relationship with you at all. And that was devastating. Well, <laughs> on top of all the rest. So. Yeah, on top of our mother getting back with our real dad, which brought a whole new avenue that I never dreamed. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There was just so much dysfunction, and uh, my mom called me up and said, uh, yeah, I'm out here uh, in Minnesota. I'm back with your dad and the brothers are out here and that and come, we're going to have Thanksgiving. So I have a really hard time around Thanksgiving because a really lot of off things happened. And then I brought him up to Scott and I don't know if you remember, but you got real angry at me and said something didn't happen. And, uh, you want to talk to me for about six months. And then he called me back and said that you remember what happened. Not only that, then you said that you remembered that you had been sexually abused too. And that really right. opened a big door. Right. I think that's when we really started communicating. Yeah, well, we get really good at ourselves, you know. Yeah. And that's okay, um, I think I'm going to get 
Caitlin on? Caitlin, are you there? Let me open up the mic. Caitlin, have Hi, you I'm on? Hi, here. Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Hi, Kate. Questions? <laughs> Hi, I just wanted to tell Scott, thank you for sharing. It's helped a lot. Like my husband mentioned, we've been working with him as my husband's sponsor and then on our relationship and our marriage. And it's really nice just having the relationship with Scott as I've been through some childhood trauma and sexual abuse myself. And having that perspective has been extra helpful. Mm-hmm. And thank you just for being here tonight and sharing with so many people. Yeah, thank I you. hope you're getting hey, you know how much you guys mean to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, I'm really very glad that uh, we've got some people that came on tonight. We usually don't have that many calling. <laughs> so we really appreciate <laughs> it. And that's called in. Yeah. Scott's a special guy. And uh, let's see. Uh, Huh? Now, let me ask Ron. You got any questions or anything? Nope. I'm listening. Okay. So that's great, great info. Okay. Do we have somebody okay. else there? No, I think I think we've gone through the whole list. I want to okay. let you guys know that I'm going to be sending Scott some uh, brochures that have more information on them, and uh, that'll have the website and everything on there as well. Um, because, like Good. I said, we have tons of programs we've got even um information on there for parents that want to talk to their kids about good and bad touch we've got a little video on there too that i like to share with parents so you know it's like share nasty with everybody because it's not just adult survivors of child abuse but it's adults that care about children that care about adult survivors of child abuse and those that want to make a difference in this world you know because um I always say this, there's no throwaway children, you know, and, and, you know, these children have no voice, they have no power, and we do, you know, we might not feel like we do, because we might not have the children, but, you know, I have to keep reminding myself, even to this day, that I have power, you know, I have power to make choices that I never got to make before, and I'm living a life that I could have never lived before, you know, when I turned 60 years old, I announced to the world, now it's my time to live. And we're not just survivors, we're thrivers. We are living. You know, like I would say, the best revenge is to live a good life. <laughs> right. So another thing is, yeah. like, probably everybody that's had sexual abuse that's been on this show has did some layers of recovery, but it's it's something mm-hmm. that's ongoing when you're working on your sexual abuse and, and the effects of it and I'd like to share something, and this is very important to me, that when mm-hmm. I worked through my stuff and I got, you know, all the truth out to myself about what had happened to me and what I had become because of it, then, like on in the 12-step program, most people know what it is. You make a list of all persons you had harmed. Well, with my survival techniques that I had learned, and al said, I had a bunch of survival techniques that were no longer necessary. So I had harmed yeah. a lot of people, my sexual behavior, with my codependency, with, you know, all the survival tools that I picked up. And I found out that's the real pain I was carrying was all the harm I had done everybody else that I cared about and even a lot of them I didn't care about. And mm-hmm. that was 
the freedom is when I really set out to make those things right and to be different and ask God to help me change and not do those same types of harms to people. That's when the freedom really started happening. Of course, we have to learn forgiveness. That is, you don't forgive your abuser, but somewhere down the road we have to learn how to, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the first yeah. recovery is the final step in recovery from the abuse is forgiveness. Now, as far as our personal recovery about changing and, and you know, being the kind of person that we want to be deep down inside, not the person that we're forced to be, when when mm-hmm. we work to recovery to change that. And I still, you know, I have a long way to go. But th- things like this help bring everything to the forefront. What's still, what's still twisted? What's still broken? What needs to be worked on? So it's layers of recovery. A lot of people say, well, I've worked on my sexual abuse. Well, <laughs> you know, it's not like a one session or one year. Uh, for me right. and you, at least, we have way more than a year of abuse, so we're probably not going to get well in a year. But we're going to yeah. get better and better. We're going to get better and better. And we're going to get tools to help others that are suffering. Like I said, it took me a few years to all of a sudden realize, because every time everything had happened bad, I figured God had left me, and my soul would be shattered, and the pieces would be all over. I'd be scrambling trying to pick them up at six years sober even. And one day... Yeah. Everything went kind of wrong, and guess what? The pieces weren't everywhere. That was like God was the glue holding all the pieces together. That I, my soul was still intact, and God didn't hate me. You know what I mean? Yes. And I can be well, human. I think it's important that a lot of people think that when you say forgiveness, they think that means, you know, I would say you can forgive somebody. That doesn't mean you're condoning the abuse. You're not, you know. Saying what was oh, done, you know, was okay. It's not okay. It was never okay. And uh, oh. we could keep, you know, and I think a lot of people get those two things confused. Oh, when our real dad died, I probably, we, me and you wanted to throw a party that he's, the monster is finally off the earth. You know what I mean? Well, see, the thing is, is I had so much indifference uh, toward him because I really didn't have any kind of a relationship with him. And matter of fact, right. I wasn't angry with him. I kept thinking, just I wanted it to stop, you know. I wanted it to stop, right. and I was trying to escape. I was living in just constant, just survival mode, surviving, and trying to figure out how I was not going to die. You know, well, I had a therapist was- once said because he kept intensifying abuse because he was an S&M, sadomasochism and tortures, for those who don't know. And, and it was, my therapist said, if you hadn't got away from me, he would eventually kill you. And I ended up doing a video on YouTube. Um, a woman got a hold of me and asked me if I'd do a video because I was used in uh, prostitution and pornography. He had taken pornography of me and threatened to use it against me. His ultimate fantasy was take me to Louisiana and marry me and raise my six-month-old daughter as our child because they didn't right. do blood testing, you know. And so my thing was trying to figure out how – I could stop what it was doing to me and not let it happen to my child because, as we were talking about before, this is a generational thing. And well, and not only that, about, like, either. like I said, it's not about love. It's about power and control, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. And to learn yeah. that and to find ways that they don't have any control in our life anymore, emotionally, mentally, right. spiritually, or physically. And that, that was tough yeah. in your situation. Finally, 
That's why your name's Victoria because you became victorious in that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I changed my name, Victoria. My, you know, my name was Catherine, and uh, mm-hmm. I changed my name. Catherine means pure one, and I never felt that way because <laughs> I'd been sexually abused before I was a year old, and I know I brought that up to you. And you said that even at three and a half years old, uh, when we came to Minnesota, that you had remembered stuff that happened before you were three and a half. And uh, I was wondering if you could talk about, um, like, maybe your first memories of things that might have happened. Because we do well, remember. I yeah, I, I've never remembered that. I got hypnotized one time back to that time, and they took me out of hypnosis mm-hmm. because I had beat sweat the size of quarters coming out of my forehead. And they thought they were going to send me into a trauma they couldn't bring me out of. So there's something oh pretty God. dark back there, but I don't know what it was. And I still consciously, but I probably witnessed you being abused and no telling what, you know, our sick father had done. My my earliest, yeah. you know, my uh, my sexual abuse, I just tried to keep it out of my mind. But, you know, from 10 to 13, I knew what happened. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, but I, I just tried to smoke screen it. And then when the time you talked about was my sex, my real dad was sexually abusing you, and I woke up while it was going on, and this is mm-hmm. when stuck, and I beat myself up because usually anybody do something to anybody I love, I kill them. I kicked her ass or yeah. whatever. I was frozen mm-hmm. because I was in disassociative disorder, and I, and I shamed myself for not doing something to help you. When it yeah. was almost like, almost like frozen, it was almost like I was yeah. frozen in time, couldn't move, mm-hmm. and I cursed yeah. myself, right? And I believe we talked uh-huh. about that one. Oh, uh, definitely, my, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm sister, up to. We have any kind of relationship because all the forces that tried to pull us apart and all the sickness in our family, but now and our kids ain't the greatest. She said her daughter's got issues. I promise our mm-hmm. kid doesn't have our kids have not nearly the issues we have broken no. the, the curse and the strain. You know what I mean? Yeah. So recovery is progressive. Well, and, and we're uh, open to talking things about our kids. I mean, if our kids come up and say something about, you know, their childhood or whatever, we're open to hearing it. Because we're in the program, I don't think we would have these types of relationships with our children, each other or what and other people if it wasn't for the program, because I'm also in the program. I've got 37 years sober and uh, drug-free, but it was really tough. I got into, um, when I escaped from my biological father, I ended up in a psychiatric ward, and I could not put three words together. Um, I didn't think I was ever coming out of that. And uh, I, you know, I went back one time and um, saw my psychiatrist years and years later, and uh, he just looked at me and he says, I cannot even believe you're the same person, you know, because right. I was um, very, very passive. I did not know how to protect myself. I didn't even think I had any choices in my life. Right. So uh, we've, 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 we have done a lot of work on killing all the elephants in the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah. And it's been That's right. a process. Like you said, I was nine, ten years sober before me and you even got to sit down and talk about some real stuff. And if you yeah. remember, Mom wrote a fit because we were going to talk. Yeah, you remember that? Yep. Yep. Because yep. you knew 
inner knew that we were going to put our notes together and we we're going to find out the truth about a lot of things that she right. would rather just play buried, you know. Well, and, you know and she also and, felt that we were yeah, talking we're, bad about her because, um, um, you know, she felt that guilt too. She thought we were blaming her, you know. No, yeah. Yep. And it's, and it wasn't about all these bad things about me, and all we were doing is telling our truth. Right. And it wasn't we're blaming anybody. It's just like you say, we're just trying to find the truth will set us free, but it'll hurt like hell at first. But it does set us free. So we were seeking the truth, and like, me and you have killed a lot of elephants that were in the middle of the room over the years. Yeah. And you talk about, um, you know, having to, um, not be around your family origin. I had to go away from my grandparents who raised me for a long time, um, away from mom for a long time. And, you know, just like you said, you know, because when you're around the same dysfunction, you end up getting, I mean, I'd go to my grandparents house and I'd feel like I was four years old again. You know, I felt like I was back that little kid and I had to literally go back there and say, I'm an adult, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And if you want to have a relationship with me, you got to treat me like an adult. And, uh, you know, I went over there with my daughter one time, and uh, Grandpa patted her on the butt. And she turned around, put her hands on her arms, and said, Grandpa, that's my butt. That's my private part. And I tell you what, he looked at me, and I swear to God, lightning bolt coming out of his eyes. You know, and and uh, he just, and I said, you know what? I wish somebody had told me that, that I could have said that at that age. And I said, it's time to go. And we left. And I told my daughter how proud I was of her. And it wasn't a thing where, you know, that had done anything, you know, try to be sexual or anything like that. But I wanted my daughter to know that I was proud of her for for saying how she felt, you know, and telling her that, you know, somebody wants to kiss you or you or whatever, you can say no. I was never told that. (laughs) Ever. I had to grow up and learn boundaries where I, you know, the, the um, group I was in, you know, you need to set boundaries. And, you know, I, when I thought boundaries were, and they go, no, those aren't boundaries. Those are walls. <laughs> well, okay. I don't understand the boundaries. But <laughs> for me is, uh, I had to go through a self-parenting process because the parents I had basically <laughs> broke all my God-given gifts of, you know, God give us certain things just like about the truth. Kids tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And parents right. tell them, oh, don't say that. Oh, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to feel that way. What are you saying yeah. that for? You know, and so to be able to learn how to be true to myself, and I had a broken little boy I had to raise up because yeah. he was broken and he was lost and nobody was ever there to protect him. And it was like, I had to be his parent. You know, they talk about the, what do they call it? The child within or whatever. And, uh, I had to be the parent and I had to learn how this, how to have some kind of higher power or God parent this broken little boy back to health because mm-hmm. nobody was ever there for him. Somebody needed to be there for him. The little boy had to grow up because emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, I was this little broken boy still. So, yeah. you know, it, and, and that's the thing is I want people to know there's recovery. We don't stay there. You know, there's there are so many solutions. And today, like back 30, 
years ago when I had to start working on my stuff, and I guess you said the uh, founder of this program here, uh, there wasn't mm-hmm. much out there for guys. And so today, if you yeah. reach out, there's there's books and there's this and there's that, and like this show and when and like you say, if you keep your ears open and you want a solution, you can find one today. And there will be people that you can find to help you walk through it. And that's the thing. Our ego wants us to do it ourselves, and we can't do it ourselves. We have to have somebody that we feel we can trust to help walk through this. And the funny thing is the sponsor that I had at the time that walked me through my sexual abuse stuff, and he watched me grow and grow, but the only problem is I outgrew him, and then he started, guess what? He became an abusive relationship to me. I had to let him go. And that really sucked because there was a time that I I told him I wasn't going to make it for two weeks. I didn't think I could make it emotionally. And he said, you can go through one more day. So he saved me and helped me in so many ways. And then I had to cut that relationship. The guy that gave me so much, I had to cut him loose because he got jealous because I got so many lessons about working through the stuff. Mm. And that he hadn't had. And he got jealous and angry. So his shit mm. come up. Yeah. You understand? Yep. Oh yeah. I don't know if yeah. else that stuff. That's why I'm glad I have the sponsor I have today because, you know, we understand the principle and it's like, you know, we work on stuff together today and we work through mm-hmm. stuff and we're totally open and honest with each other. And I hope everybody can find somebody that can be open and honest with that in recovery. And I don't care what 12-step program, if mm-hmm. to realize that best for you, that they're not wanting to get anything from you. I hope everybody yeah. that's, that's working through stuff can find that. That's what I would say about my sponsor. She loved me before I could love myself. And, you know, I would say to her, oh, I wouldn't be sober today if it wasn't for you or you helped me so much. And she would always stop me and say, you know what? You're the one that did the work. She would not take any, like, praise. And I had never, ever found anybody like that since or before that. That, that would just say it was you. You know, you're the one that did the work. And uh, I had her for 33 years before she passed away. But she's one of those people that continue to teach you even after you're gone. It's like you're going through an experience. And you, you kind of go, what would that person say to me? You know, even if that person isn't in your life. Like I talk to a lot of people that will say, you know, I had one person in my life, my grandmother or my aunt, my neighbor or whatever, and and sometimes it's just thinking about what that person would say to you that, that'll bring you, you know, comfort. Well, and I believe if you seek, you'll find somebody else. It might, and yeah. they sure ain't yeah. place the person you lost, but they'll have different stuff for you to learn. And that's the process yeah. of growing up. I've had, before the sponsor I have now, I had six different ones, and every one of them gave me everything they had. And it was time to yeah. go, you know, learn and grow more. So mm-hmm. about, yeah. to me, in God, and that might be hard for some sexual abuse people to learn how to trust mm-hmm. in God, but there is a yeah. power out there that you can reach out to, and if you can connect with that, it will guide you mm-hmm. to recovery. Yeah. I mean, I've seen right. many people that have recovery that have started out with almost nothing for a higher power, mm-hmm. and now has a strong relationship and really relies mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And that, well, my first higher the, power was G.O.D. group of drunks and group of druggies because they had more than I had. 
Yeah. No, group of drunks and group of druggies, and then it was good orderly direction. And uh, I just want to say, too, that we're on episode 3,330, which means we have 3,329 episodes before. If you're not hearing your story tonight, if you listen to 10, 15 episodes, you know, if you listen to enough people, you can hear your whole entire story. Some pieces. Same thing that happened for me when I went to AAA and Al-Anon, and uh, I, I was hearing my story. I was hearing, uh, I wanted to tell my story as well because I learned words that I wouldn't really use. You know, when I got away from my biological father, I went to the police, um, and the police office asked me what happened one night, and I said, well, I went over to my dad's house and we made love, and he stopped the tape and backed it up and says, I'm going to ask you that question in a different way. And I'm like, oh, I wonder why, you know. And he said, when you went over to your dad's house, he says, um, did you want him to have sex with you? I go, absolutely not. So that's what got on the record, you know, because that's what he told me that it was. You know, I mean, that's what I had to say it was. I knew it wasn't, but that's what I had to say or I'd have gotten hurt. Right. And so to unlearn that kind of stuff takes a long time, but we can you know, we can yeah. get down to a basic God-given instinct that we're given in the first place. I do believe that. And yeah. um, through steps, you really get into what's going on in your subconscious that creates your conscious mm-hmm. to come up with all the bullshit lies that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and like on NASA, the Facebook group, you know, we go on there and we, we can have discussions. You know, we can contact people that that we seem to, you know, connect with. I, um, Well, I met Annie on there, you know, and we talk on the phone now, and, you know, we have a lot of things in common. We have, you know, art, and we have writing, and we have the NASCA and the radio show, and just a lot of similar interests, you know, that I would have never met Annie if it wasn't for the show. Are you still on here, Annie? You, you want to? I sure am. I'm in here. I'm here. I want to hear your take on everything. What's going on, Annie? Yep. Oh, golly, my little dog is driving me nuts. But other than that, um, yeah, um, I don't know what to say. I, I, too, was sexually abused by my father, and it has taken me many, many years of recovery to get to where I am today to be able to actually say on the radio that I'm a survivor. I'm a person who used to just hide in the closet and didn't have any friends because I couldn't talk to people. I was terrified, um, very broken person. But today I'm doing very well. I'm sorry? Did you ever think you'd be hosting a blog radio show? No, heavens Back no. I, I couldn't. Just the idea that I could speak publicly about it is amazing. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I just want to tell everybody out there listening that it's possible. Healing is possible. It might feel like it's impossible, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible. You just have to talk to other survivors and and learn mm-hmm. strategies and mm-hmm. um, go to go to groups and meetings and that kind of thing. I spent a lot of time in the twelve step program for survivors. They had mm-hmm. written the steps in such a way that they applied to us. Right. And um, mm-hmm. that was really, really helpful to me. I'd like to and also, I wrote about it. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, writing does help. Writing helps. I did a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But anyone that's listening that wants to come on the show, um, we've had people that never told their story before that come on the show and tell their story. They've never told anybody, and they come on. Um, I just talked to one woman who um, just put out a book. She's got her own podcast, her own radio show. She's got so many things. She's on YouTube. And uh, I asked her to come back on, and she says, I want you to know the first time I ever told my story was on the NASCA Blood Talk radio show. And I didn't even know that. <laughs> wow. And she's where I am today, you know. I mean, so, you know, we might not think that, you know, it's that important. But I tell you what, just sharing. And like Scott was talking about, just sharing the truth, you know. And I know Scott and I have a lot of um, conversations about, you know, just things we were told in our family that were just out and out lies. You know, I tell people, you only um, did what you did at the time. Because a lot of people have regrets. You only did what you did at the time with the information you had at the time. And I was given bad information and outright lied to. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it that way, you know. I had well, a lot of shame. Amazing. I think the three people here, the two hosts and the speaker, we kind of like ourselves today, which is a miracle. Yep, it so is. When you kind of like yourself. And, and, and you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm okay. Yeah. You know. That's right. Yeah. And and people, oh, I I, I hear the stuff. Now I'm going to share this. Uh-huh. You know, they always you hear it in a lot of recovery. Pro, you got to learn to love yourself. Well, what does that mean? Well, love is trust, respect, compatibility, and intimacy. And intimacy isn't sex. Intimacy is into me see. So to learn how to have that type of relationship with yourself is the start of learning how to love yourself, learn how to trust yourself, learn how to respect yourself, learn how to be compatible with yourself, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no, and learn how to be intimate with yourself. And then when you do that, you learn how to love yourself. And when you learn how to do that, then you have love to share with another person. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's it. That's, it never worked for me looking in a mirror and saying I love you. That just that seems stupid to me. But mm-hmm. to, to learn how to trust myself, respect myself, can be compatible with myself and intimate with myself, you know. And so sex and love, that was two words I had to relearn totally. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because yeah. being sexually abused, you're totally messed up on what sex is about and what love is about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our power and control, and it's, you know, that's to unlearn that, it takes some of us a very long time. And yeah. hopefully, you know, and like I say, I had to clean up my side of the street when I used it for power and control over others. Because mm-hmm. abuse, people that are abused become perpetrators if they don't get recovery. Or they just stay, they stay a victim. Mm-hmm. And today I don't have to be a victim. I'm, I can be victorious, like Victoria. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? And that's why I picked that name. Victoria means victorious. I kept my middle name, Ruth, which means spirit. And I picked the name Kelly, which means warrior. So my name is Victorious Spirit Warrior, which I did not feel like when I took the name on. But I had to take on a different name because um, right. I needed a name to speak. And at the time, 
um, my biological father was in Minneapolis, and I was speaking in Minneapolis, or I was going to start to speak, and um, I was afraid. And when I found out that he had passed away, my uncle had posted it on, on uh, Facebook. And I wrote on Facebook that um, I said, um, I found out that my biological father is dead. And I wrote, I cannot put into words the freedom that I feel today. And that's, that was what I felt, freedom. Like I didn't have to look over my shoulder anymore. Well, people don't realize that, he's a... He was one of the top 500 computer programmers in the country, and I'm a very yeah. smart guy, but he's probably the smartest guy I ever met and the most sociopathic man. Yeah. Well, I and was I didn't afraid to be smart fun. because I thought that if you were smart, you were going to hurt people. And and then it all of a sudden hit me that there's a lot of smart people that care about people, you know, and love people, right. want to help them. You know, and that I can be that kind of a person, you know. And, uh, yeah, for me, it would really help me when I had my children because I wanted to be a better parent. And I remember um, asking my grandmother to watch my daughter. And uh, she said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to a parenting group. And she said, well, why are you going to a parenting group? I said, because I want to be a better parent. And she says, well, I never went to parenting groups, and you know just fine. And I thought, yeah, fine. <laughs> In the psych ward, I've been committed to a psych ward. I've been, you know, shock treatments and everything else. Yeah, that's fine. Now I say I'm fine, which is insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So if I ever say fine to any of you, that's what I'm actually saying. I ask you if this is ironic that our, both our parents died two weeks apart. Yeah. Did you realize yeah. that? Yeah. It's ironic. Yeah. yeah, it is. Which, yeah. you know, when my mom died, we were best friends by the time she died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my father, I, I was afraid to see him because I was afraid I might kill him. Because yeah. of what I when about everything he had done to you. So mm-hmm. that was one I took away from. Well, I remember one time I had to come out and I was reading one of my poems at a reading. I don't know if you remember, but I was halfway through and you took off. And then I called you and you came back to get me. And I was really like, boy, he doesn't even want to hear my poem, you know. And I asked you, why'd you leave? And you said, because it was really hard for me to listen to because my sister had been hurt, you know. And and a lot of people don't understand that. In an, you know, a family where one person is, be- one child is being abused, not that you weren't, but when one child is being abused, even if that isn't directly your abuse, you get the same effects. So if anybody's right. out there that you are an abused victim as well, if you see your parents yeah. in a domestic abuse situation, brother, you're a victim as well as of abuse. You're a victim of abuse too if you watched out. Because some families are like that. One person was held out as the princess, and they didn't touch that one. But the other one mm-hmm. got abused. The, mm-hmm. the princess was abused also. They have to work yeah. through that stuff also. Yeah. Yep. That's good. And then, so, yeah, you know, I know that when you guys left, I thought, why does why does our mom want them and not me? And I felt like mm-hmm. she just didn't want me, you know. And mm-hmm. And, you know. It, it's just really weird how when you get together and you start talking about things. Um, why don't you explain what happened to them when they kept going on vacation all the time every year? 
<laughs> oh, the vacations? And it really doesn't have, yeah. it's just about the lies, you know. The the thing was, our real mother would come up to visit us, and my sister lived with my grandparents. I was with my step-aunt and uncle, and when my real mother would come to visit us, they'd take us out of town and go on a vacation. <laughs> It was like these improper vacations. My other brother lived with me. Yeah, it was very strange. But that's the type of thing that you talk about later on and you go, hmm, two plus two equals four. You know, (laughs) it's like. There was just so many lies. But, you know, and that's the (laughs) thing is that it's a process, not an event. Recovery is a process, not an event. There's no magic wand to make it okay overnight and you know what i wouldn't appreciate my cover if i hadn't worked i had to work my ass off for what i got today and i yeah. appreciate my recovery today and i appreciate that i've been gifted with tools to help so many different kinds of people today so i would not change mm-hmm. my life today anybody i have mm-hmm. little ladies listening oh i feel so sorry for you and all that don't mm-hmm. I, I am who i am because you know, I've went through the experiences, and God has blessed mm-hmm. me with recovery and a lot of wonderful people to help me on my journey. And mm-hmm. it is a journey. It's a fantastic journey. Sometimes it's a hard journey. It's very hard. And, yeah. you know, the 23rd Psalm is, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. Well, sometimes that's the way it feels, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I got people in the program of God with me to walk me to the green pastures and still waters, to the beautiful places. So yeah, do we have time for more questions and answers before this is over, or what? Yeah, we sure do. We sure do. Um, let's bring uh, Becky back on. Hello, Becky. You're Hello. next on. I've been listening. <laughs> you have a question, Becky? No, it's just um, y'all stories um, are so heartfelt, you know, um, and very inspiring to me. Um, uh, I've really enjoyed listening to this, and um, I'm excited to see, you know, with the uh, web the uh, web addresses and all that that you have that you can pass on to me, and I can uh, mm-hmm. start to you know, find some recovery in this part aspect of myself. Uh, so um, mm-hmm. I just mainly have been doing the NA program, but uh, but you know, I really. It's been easy, kind of easy, not to take drugs or not to that, you know. But you know, I know there's pieces of myself. I, I, I'm going to start going to the dependent, uh, codependency anonymous meetings again. So, but there's uh, all that information, uh, a real, a lot of information that y'all have for me. And of course, I have Scott's number and all that. Yeah. So, uh, I was going to say on the NASP website. On the NASP website, we have resources, and you can click on that. And you can find your state, and click on your state and scroll down, and it's got all the different cities, and we got resources in all these areas um, that people have used that put on there. And then we have, um, if there's anything on there that you find isn't around anymore, let us know. And if you know of any resources that would help you, let us know. We've got a lot of contact numbers. We have ambassadors. I'm a Minnesota ambassador. My phone number is on the website. And a lot of ambassadors in the different states. And if you talk, you know, we're all put our phone numbers on there. Just KA, you know, people put their names on the list if they don't want to call. 
everybody that's on that list has put their name on there so I can call them if you want to talk to them. And, uh, you know, we might not all have the answers, but we try to hook you up with the, the resources that are in your area. And, and listen. That's the real big important part of this is listening to people. And because many of us have never to tell our stories, nobody's listened to us. They've shut up. It's just listening. And people say, oh, Victoria, do so much. This wonderful, wonderful people. And I say, all I do is help other people the way people help me. And I help them the way I wish I would have been helped. You know? And those are the only two things I stick with. I go to a meeting and I just pray before I go in and say, you know, God, help me to be able to be open to what other people say and me to say one thing in the meeting that will help somebody. One thing. That's, that's, and then I feel like I've made a difference. When I wake up in the morning and ask my power to let me do one thing today, they'll make some, you know, and it's not, you don't have to go out with so many million dollars. You can be walking down the road and smile at somebody or say hi. You don't know how much to change somebody's day. I have a video on YouTube where I was homeless used to Texas, and people see that, and they're like, I wouldn't even recognize you because I'm not the same person I was back then. That was in 2010 when I came back to the boat, and my kids got me back here. And I am not the same person I was. I didn't look like the same person. Right. And Scott's not the same person. <laughs> I've seen so no. much growth in no. him. Yeah. And that's a cool thing where other people a lot of times can walk in you where you can see it in yourself as well. So let's go on. We've got um, Philip. Let's see if Philip's got any comments. Philip, do you have comments or questions? No. Okay. Well, thanks for sticking with us here. Victoria, I don't know how it works, but if you want to give Philip my number, that would be okay with me. Talk to Philip personally okay, later on. Definitely do that. Yep, I'll okay. definitely do that. Okay, That'd that sounds awesome. great. Okay, and then we, um, I'm going to put uh, Patrick on. Hello, Patrick. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, there we go. Do you have any comments? Uh, well, Patrick, every time... Some reason you're breaking up. Can you talk on Caitlin's yeah. phone? I could hear her, but I couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, breaking up yeah. on your yeah. phone. We can't hear you very well at all. Yeah, his his wife has a phone. She's listening. Is Kate put Caitlin oh. on? And they can both talk on Caitlin's phone, probably. Yeah, there you go. Talk Mm-hmm. And are you there? Hold on, I have to open a room. Oh. Oh. I don't see Caitlin yeah. on my board. Patrick, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? You're breaking up so bad, it's hard to. Do you have Caitlin's phone? I don't see Caitlin on the board. It's hung up there. 
We could hear Caitlin, but we can't hear you for some reason. Caitlin's not on. Caitlin, is Hello. you? There we go. Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, Scott, hey, I'm just drinking for you, man. Uh, you made a difference. Now you got double phone. Okay, now, now I'm actually. All right. Uh, I'm going to hang up on my phone. Yeah. There we go. There. Uh, there, there we go. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it might have been because we had both phones going. I don't know. Uh, oh. Hey, man, I'm grateful for you, man. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys heard me the first time real clear, but uh, this man's helped me and my wife a lot. And uh, just the, the, the childhood trauma that's carried over into adulthood. Uh, and not knowing how to get past that, this, this this man's opening my eyes to a lot of it, and I, and I appreciate it. So if you guys got any questions or doubts, this this is a man to listen to and, and help. He's helped us a lot. So we appreciate you, Scott. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Look forward and, uh, to utilizing the resources on the Go ahead. So I was just going to say, looking forward to using the resources on the site. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And we hope that people join us on, uh, join us on Facebook as well. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get people on there because it's a closed group and we got to prove them. But um, our founder, um, um, Bill Murray, is our founder, and uh, he started NASCA like 15 years ago, and uh, he's uh, been amazing. And he he also got help through the 12-step program because Scott was saying um, there was nothing back then. He got sober 40 years ago, and there was nothing back then. But um, he found that the 12-step program worked for him, and he started talking about his abuse in meetings and things and, and got uh, the support that he needed, you know. It's just if the right person's around, you know, I was talking about every once in a while I mentioned I'm a survivor of incest or whatever, and uh, I have people that come up and talk to me after the meetings, you know. Oh, I've never told anybody. I mean, I've got people, you know, there's people that are 40, 50 years old that have never told anybody. There's people that have never told anybody that go to their grave and never tell anybody. So anybody that has reached out for any kind of help, um, give yourself credit. Um, that's, that's the beginning. That's the beginning yeah. to say it out loud, you know, that I survived abuse. You don't even have to go into it. Just I survived especially abuse. Hard. It's a big it's thing. Especially hard for a man to tell another man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's, it's a thing. And, you know, if they, you say it takes a lot of courage and then it, it takes a lot of courage to reach out and say, I need help. I, I can't, Yeah. I don't know what to do with this. You know, what What do I do? You know, and there are, like you say, I'm grateful this resource is here and there are, and it opens up doors, uh, a lot of doors. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, the thing is that we have all kinds of people out there. We have all kinds of different resources and people like Vaughn, um, we have survivor professionals. They're survivors and they're professionals, and they come on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then Wednesday and Fridays, we have um, adult survivors of abuse and neglect. I was neglected in there because it's child abuse, but a lot of people don't recognize it. And a lot of times, 
well, um, I'll hear survivors say, I was just this or I was just that. Now, they don't put just in front of any kind of abuse because it's minimizing it, you know. Right. But if anybody wants to be um, on the show, I will give out my number because it's on the website, too. My number is 763-703-0439, and anyone can call me, and uh, we could talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about. And sometimes, you know, people just want to reach out to somebody and say, no, I heard you on the radio, and uh, I like what you had to say, and, you know, talk about the gardening, <laughs> you know, um, because we don't always have to call and, and uh, talk about abuse. You know, we're not just our abuse. We're a whole bunch of other things, too. And we need to remember that we're not just victims. We're not just survivors. Um, so many other hats and so many other things that we have. But if anybody wants to be on the show, you can contact me directly, and uh, I can help you go through the steps. And like I said, it could be your first talking. You can go under a different name if you want. Um, but there's no... Um, sticky rules that you have to worry about. And we are in close. Uh, four minutes left. Annie, are you still there? How are you doing? You know, sometimes she shuts off her mic. I'm still here. I'm still here. Oh, awesome. I couldn't hit the button. <laughs> I, get it. I get it. Is there anything I missed about talking about that you wanted to put in there? Um, no, I can't think of anything. Okay. Uh, Scott, do you have any final messages for us? We've four minutes left here. I I would love to hear Annie someday. She's so delightful. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Maybe we'll talk on the phone sometime. Well, that would be wonderful. Uh, Okay. I I can say uh, thank you, sis, or whatever you want to be called today. (laughs) No matter how far you went down, there is recovery. And it seems like I know my sister can help just, and she's got the patience that she can help so many people. And God has enabled me to help all different kinds of people with all different states of mind. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. When you get to a point to where you're grateful where your life is today. I, and I tell people this all the time. David said it, and he said, I'm fearfully and wonderful made. I hope everybody can mm-hmm. say about themselves and say that God has mm-hmm. made them exactly who they're supposed to be today. And I feel that way today, and I hope everybody gets the opportunity. Like I say, it takes a lot of work, and it there's mm-hmm. a lot of painful stuff about finding out about yourself and about what we got Recovery is sometimes a painful walk, but we don't have to do it alone, and that's why shows like this are so important. So give people hope to take the first step in recovery. For the man that's been sexually abused, Annie's right on top of it because she grabbed that book because that is a great resource for men. So if you run across men, it's a good, good book to suggest. And I'm going to try to get a show with you, Seth. So I guess that's about all I can yeah. say. Opportunity for well, I appreciate coming on, Scott, and I appreciate all your, the people you brought along with you. 
and uh, we have the shows um, five nights a week, same time. And uh, we'd love to invite you back to be on the panel again, like you were tonight. And I want to read the serenity prayer for now. Please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly, the courage to forgive myself because I always try my best, and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. And uh, I love to say that because I never used to say that. Yeah. Really? We've got 90 seconds, so we're going to go and play our music, and everybody come back as soon as you can. Um, let's right. see where the button is. Okay, good night, everyone. Good Thanks, night. everybody. Another tomorrow. Cause that's gone. You are forgotten. After all that you've done. Huh? <laughs> what? I think almost everybody, I, I don't.